my dear fellow listeners to Republic Broadcasting Network. Today is the 3rd of March in the year of our Lord Jesus the Christ, 2024, or maybe more. And uh, this is yours truly, Murr. We have a chat room, yours truly, com. And please visit republicbroadcasting.org or phone or send to them. Uh, We're really needing some funding here. And as time allows, we'll get into that some more. But I have a long featured presentation here with Dr. Lorraine Day. Uh, Her birthday was the 24th of February. And she would have been 87. And uh, I think a lot of us miss her. But I wanted to have another... um, another interview quote unquote with her in the uh, archive and this is from her bible studies the third one in this last set she had done i think was from sometime in 2022 and it's called the serpent seed is a false doctrine and this is going to take up most of the show because i want to include her uh question and answer period at the end where she answers text questions and she often adds some really good gems in there So this uh, starts at 6 minutes, 11 seconds in, because she covers, you know, some of the some of the um, housekeeping there with the with the viewing of the of the video. And um, and it will go for um, an hour and 20 minutes about in in total. So, Sam, if you want to get that rolling, thank you. Of the Jews when. Some people ask me. What version of the Bible? I just just tell me the right version of the Bible so I can read that. Well, I wish it were that easy. It's not. There's no perfect version of the Bible. That's why we have to use so many resources. And in my book, Who Rewrote the Bible, I copy sections out of the interlinear Bible, which is the Bible in original Hebrew and Greek with the English words underneath. And I show you how the Bible has been changed. So again, if you if you want to learn about these other spiritual issues, more about them, uh, you can uh, go to either uh, either of my websites and find the book, Who We Wrote the Bible. You can find the book, uh, Who Started the Organized Church. It wasn't God. The uh, subtitle is, For the First 4,000 Years, No One Ever Went to Church. Then what happened? And then I've got another one. If Jesus died for all, why can't he save all? And also there's uh, the New World Order and the deliberate destruction of America and the world and many others. But there are lots of, there's lots of information on spiritual issues. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, you can go and, and get some of those books and start reading them. Or you can just go for free on my website at goodnewsaboutgod.com and start reading the Bible studies there. It's a little uh, more disjointed when you just read individual Bible studies than it is when you read the things in the book. And there are things in the book that aren't on my website. And so it's uh, a little bit more uniform when you get the book. But again, you have the uh, information available to you. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, in these troubled times in America and the world, we are so thankful that we can turn to your word So we ask you to be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. I spoke about, in the first um, Bible study, and a little in the second, about the eons. That's a new concept. You'll be hearing many new concepts. One reason you haven't heard about these things before is that most people either go to church, or they listen to pastors, or they listen to theologians who have gone to the seminary. If those people come up with interpretations of the Bible that do not agree with their denomination, they get fired. That's why a person who is a preacher employed by a denomination or a um, a theologian that's involved with a seminary, they can't come up with anything else or they'll get fired. And what does a preacher do when he's fired? He sells used cars. He's not really trained to do anything else. So, you know, we are brainwashed in all of these areas. Uh, we're brainwashed in medicine. I, I, I actually vaccinated my children. I mean, I'm horrified about it now. Fortunately, neither of my sons had any uh, major ill effects from them. But I can tell you, We were brainwashed in medicine. I thought vaccinations were good. You know, that means that I believe that 
God needs Bill Gates' help. God doesn't need Bill Gates' help. The, the, the body is designed by God to heal itself. Nobody needs any vaccinations for anything. God designed the body to heal itself once we learn how to stop abusing it. But doctors are brainwashed. Doctors are really brainwashed by the pharmaceutical companies. Ministers are brainwashed by their various denominational leaders. And so once we throw off all those shackles and start actually studying for ourselves and reading the Bible for ourselves, we can understand truth. So the eons are a concept that you don't hear about in any denomination. As I told you before, the words eternity, eternal, uh, everlasting, forever and ever do not appear in the Bible. They have been written in by the translators. The word is always eon. And we know that it does not mean eternity because an eon is a period of time with a beginning and an end because the Bible speaks of the conclusion of the eons, the end of the eons. Well, the translators didn't know what that meant, so they called it the end of the world. Well, no, some some got a little better at it. They called it the end of the age, and that's more appropriate. Because an eon can be an age, but it has a beginning and an end. Eternity never ends. There is an eternity. After the eons are finished, there is an eternity. But the Bible never refers to it in that term. We know that there's an eternity because in 1 Corinthians 15, 22 to 28, and write that down. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 to 28. It says that death will be abolished. Death will be abolished. That means everybody will be alive and God will be all in all. So if death is abolished, then then everybody lives for eternity because nobody will die. So and and the dead people will be resurrected. So we do know there is an eternity. But all these places in the Bible where they talk about everlasting and uh, forever and ever. And as I said last time, how do you add an ever to forever? Well, those words are eons of the eons. And we'll explain that as we go along. But if you don't understand one of these concepts right away, just keep listening. Start studying on your own. You can get my book called Who Rewrote the Bible. There is a whole chapter in there on does forever really mean forever. That's all about the eons. It will explain it all to you. Or you can wait till we get to some of those texts later on. But these concepts, you, you don't grasp in one time in a Bible study. It, it takes a lot of study over years and years what I'm trying to do with all the years that I have studied is take 15 or 20 years off of your learning curve so you can learn it faster than it takes the actual individual to study it all out on their own. So uh, let's get started on the study for today. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 4. Now, it starts out by saying, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Well, as you can see, the word new means K-N-E-W, means the most intimate relationship between a man and a woman. Adam knew Eve and she bore a child. That's a very important word to understand because God wants to know us just as intimately, spiritually. He wants to know us. And in the end, when, in, in, uh, when Jesus was talking about the end of time, which we're entering right now, the end of this era, uh, he said that there will be those who say, to him, to Jesus Christ, when he comes again. I did this in your name, and I did that in your name. So he's clearly talking about those who claim to be Christians. And he said, I will say to them, depart from me, you doers of iniquity. I never knew you. 
See, most Christians know about God, but they don't know him. We need to know him as intimately, spiritually, as Adam and Eve knew each other when Eve conceived a child by Adam. Now, I'm going to discuss with you right here a doctrine that you have probably never heard about. Some people may have. Others may never have heard about it. I want to make very clear that the doctrine I'm going to discuss is a false doctrine. It is a false doctrine. Don't ever tell anybody or email to me that that this is a true doctrine that I am promoting. It is a false doctrine because in order to promote this doctrine, you have to pervert everything that Jesus Christ says and make God into a liar. So this is a false doctrine and it's the doctrine of the serpent seed or the Nephilim. And what that says is, and I'm going to read you this because I want to make it very clear what this false doctrine is all about. And there are many Christians who believe in this. It supposedly explains the biblical account of the fall of man by stating that the serpent, Satan, mated, had sex with Eve in the Garden of Eden, and the offspring of that union was Cain. This event resulted in the creation of two races of people. Now, this, again, is a false doctrine. The wicked descendants of the serpent, who were destined for eternal damnation, which we know does not exist, and the righteous descendants of Adams, who were destined to have eternal life. The teaching appears in the early Gnostic writings of Valentinus between 100 and 160 AD, and it also appears on Jewish websites, including the Jewish Virtual Library and Shabbat.org. Uh, During the 19th century, the serpent seed doctrine was revived by American religious leaders who wanted to promote the belief in the racial superiority of whites. The modern versions of the serpent seed doctrine were developed within the teachings of British Israelism by Charles Totten and Russell Carter. The serpent seed teaching comes in several different forms. Uh, another one who promoted it was Sun, Sun Moon Young, Sun Moon Moon, uh, who lived between um, 1920 and just died in 2019. They played various uh, of these leaders, spiritual leaders, played important parts in spreading these versions of the doctrine. Around the world, there are millions of adherents of the serpent seed doctrine, including the Unification Church, which was Moon's, Reverend Moon's church, along with an estimated 50,000 adherents of it within the Christian identity movement. Now, in order for this to be true, that Satan had sex with Eve and Eve bore Cain, you have to turn the Bible upside down and make it absolutely perverse. And as I said, you have to make God a liar. Because first of all, and we'll discuss these things as we go along, angels do not procreate. They don't have children. Angels were created individually. Human beings were created to have children. So God made Adam and Eve and put all the genes in them for the entire human race. Now, you might say, why did God create human beings? You see, um, uh, sin started with the angels. So why didn't God just take care of it with the angels? Why did he create a whole new species, human beings, uh, and, and then put Satan in Adam and Eve's front yard in the Garden of Eden? Why did he do that? Why didn't he just get rid of it with the angels? Well, as we go along and study the Bible, we will understand why. First of all, Jesus had to come and die for our sins. Angels don't die. 
angels don't die. Jesus said it in Luke, uh, I think it's 2037, angels don't die. Satan is an evil angel, has been going for at least 6,000 years and probably much longer than that. And he hasn't deteriorated at all because he's not flesh and blood as we are. He's a spirit being. So then if angels don't die and they talk about God throwing the devil into the lake of fire and burning him up, he's a ghost. He's a spirit. He can just waft right out of the the fire. So that's not a way for God to do away with sin. God says he's going to do away with sin, but not by burning up a spirit being. They don't die. So angels don't die. They don't procreate. Um, the flood, they have to pervert the whole idea that the, that the flood was not a worldwide flood. Because you see, Noah was a descendant of Seth. All of Cain's progeny, his offspring, were destroyed in the flood. So they have to make it into a local flood. So Cain's offspring could continue to uh, be on the earth and reproduce in order to have this serpent seed, which are supposedly Cain's descendants. And the designation of seed has to be physical. It has to be Satan's real children by Eve. Well, just think what it says. We just read what it says. It says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare a child. So they just turn this on its head. They say, oh, no, it wasn't Adam. It was Satan. Where do they get that? That's craziness. And then she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord when she uh, uh, gave birth to Cain. I've gotten a man from the Lord. Oh, no, you got a man from Satan. Do you see how they turn everything on its head? And so then they say, well, Uh, The flood was not a worldwide flood. Well, then why did God tell Noah to build a boat, the ark, that was the length of one and a half football fields and put seven of every clean animal and two of every scavenger animal on the ark? If it was just a local flood, God could have just told Noah to move. The other thing is God made the rainbow to show that he would never again destroy the earth with a worldwide flood. Well, we've had many local floods all over the place. The most recent flood was in New York and China and places like that. There have been local floods all the time. If God said he's never going to bring a flood like that again, then he's a liar. Because we've had local floods all over the world for the last many thousands of years. We have never again had a worldwide flood that destroyed everybody except those who were on the ark. And the only people who were on the ark were eight people. There was Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. And they were descendants of Seth. So uh, Adam and Eve first had Cain, then they had Abel. Cain ended up murdering Abel. We're going to talk about that tonight. Cain ended up murdering Abel, and and Cain was uh, run out of the area by God, and he had to go live in the land of Nod, and he uh, built the first city. God wanted us to be an agrarian civilization, but he built the first city, and uh, Cain was cursed. But when God curses them, He's disciplining them, but he's not cursing them forever. You know, the idea that there are some people on the earth that God can't save, that means that God is an impotent God. The Bible says nothing is impossible with God. It says in um, Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? No, there is nobody. God did not create a being that's stronger uh, than he is. Uh, so, so there's nobody beyond the reach of God. So in order for this serpent seed doctrine to be true, again, you've got to turn the whole Bible on its head and, um, and you've got to make God into a liar because he says all of these things. He's the savior of all mankind. 
Oh, by the way, I want to read you something to show you how human beings have perverted the word of God. I am going to read you something from the NIV, the New International Version. Uh, write this verse down. It's 1 Timothy 4.10. 1 Timothy 4.10. Now, when you get a Bible, get a King James Bible. Not that that's perfect. There are a lot of errors in the King James Bible, as we've already pointed out, and there are a lot more. But it's a place to start. And all of the versions of the Bible have a lot of errors in them, but we'll go through them. But don't buy a Bible. And again, I suggest that you get a Bible that's an actual book that you can hold in your hands. Because once they start cutting the electricity off, you're not going to be able to um, uh, to power your phone or your computer. Besides that, you can write notes in the margin. You can underline certain things and you can really learn. If you're just looking at it on your cell phone, you can't do any of those things. Uh, it needs to be a personal relationship and it's a lot easier to really study and make notes and all that if you have an actual Bible, but don't get one that has, um, notes in it to tell you what to believe. Now, I have this one that has these notes in it. Somebody gave it to me. And the only reason that I keep it is to point out that it even makes more errors. Because if you go to 1 Timothy 4, uh, 10, and I'm going to read you that verse, 1 Timothy 4, 10. Um, that um, uh, this is a trustworthy saying, this is verse 9, that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope, that's actually the word expectation, our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, it's actually the Savior of all mankind, especially of those who believe the savior of all mankind. So here's what they say in these notes. It says, and I'll read it here. It says, it's very tiny writing. Um, it says for first Timothy four ten, 10 uh, savior of all. Obviously that does not mean that God is going to save everyone because there's a hell. So they say, God doesn't mean what he says. God says he's the savior of all mankind. And many references say, well, he wants to save them all. Well, what if I told you that when your youngest child was in school, I was their teacher? And you'd say, no, you weren't. In order for you to be my child's teacher, you have to have taught my child. And you would be right. In order for God to say he's our savior, he has to save us. I can't be your child's teacher by just wanting to be. I have to actually teach your child. God cannot say he's the savior of all mankind if he just wants to. He can only be the savior if he actually does it. Even a worse illustration, or maybe a better illustration, is suppose that I was babysitting for your children while you were gone, and you had a pool in the back, and I was so irresponsible that your children were in the pool, and one of them drowned. And so you came back, and you were horrified, and called the police, and, and crying, and and, and all the appropriate emotions. And I said, well, I was, this, I saved your child. No, you didn't. You didn't save my child. Well, I wanted to. So then I'm, I'm the child savior. You can, God cannot be our savior unless he actually saves us. They say the same thing in Colossians 1.20. Colossians 1.20. Write it down. Because God says he is reconciling all to himself. He's reconciling all to himself. Now they add the word things, all things to himself. I guess that means, you know, roaches and trees and flowers. No, it's all. God is reconciling all to himself. Well, in the footnotes, it says, well, God doesn't really mean that. That doesn't mean he's going to reconcile all to himself because there's a hell. 
and God's going to burn some people up because they don't want to be saved. Oh, then God's will is weaker than man's will. We tell God when he can save us and when he can't. This is absolutely absurd. So this whole serpent seed doctrine is false, but you're going to hear about it a lot more. Now, God says that the flood covered the whole earth. He says that numerous times. The flood covered the whole earth. And again, if if Adam and Eve, I mean, if uh, Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives uh, did not have to put all these animals on this big, big ark, they could have just gotten in a little boat, a rowboat. And and if it was local, they they just could move away. It's absolutely absurd. This whole serpent seed doctrine is totally false. And the idea that there is a there's a group of people on the earth who are so evil that God is incapable of saving them. You see, I know that everybody believes that God has given us free will. And if he didn't give us free will, then we're all robots. That's not true. Uh, would you give your two-year-old free will? Nah, never, never. Because a two-year-old could run out in the street and get themselves killed. You never give your two-year-old free will. Well, God is so much smarter than we are compared to what we are to our two-year-olds. He doesn't give us free will. As I said last time in Ephesians 1.11, he says he's operating everything according to the counsel of his own will. Ephesians 1.11. Ephesians 1.11. He's operating everything according to his own will. Now, that doesn't mean we're robots, we make decisions, and, and, and almost everybody in the world has made a decision to sin at times. So we're responsible for those decisions we make. God is in control of all the circumstances of our life. He is leading us through everything we need to go through. All right, we'll be back in a few minutes. to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. 
Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Until we recognize that we are destitute without him. Until we recognize that we need Jesus Christ to run our life. And that will occur with some people in this era before Jesus comes, but many it will not. But even all those people before the flood, they'll all be back in the second resurrection to reap what they have sown. But like a good parent who disciplines the child, God disciplines us. Now, sometimes death may be part of that discipline. But you see, death is temporary with the Lord. Everybody will be back in the first resurrection, which are the righteous who will go to heaven when Jesus comes, or the second resurrection to reap what they have sown, but not to eternal destruction. And that is the good news of the gospel. So this serpent seed doctrine is, um, I don't know how, frankly, how anybody believes that if they actually study the Bible. So it is a false doctrine, and it has to turn every truth in the Bible or many truths in the Bible upside down in order uh, for people to believe it. So, so we'll continue on in chapter four. So uh, uh, Adam uh, and Eve conceived again, and she bear his brother Cain's brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of the ground and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground as an offering unto the Lord and Abel brought a lamb well uh, the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin Jesus had to come and die on the cross by the way i will use the word cross but jesus was not crucified on a cross he was not crucified with his arms out to his side he was crucified with his arms up over his head he was crucified on the pole the word is always pole not cross cross is actually a pagan symbol it's a symbol of tammuz uh in ezekiel in the book of ezekiel in the bible god talks about women that that the Israelites got so evil that women were weeping outside the temple. They were weeping for Tammuz, who was a pagan god. The T of Tammuz is actually the cross. So that is not a Christian symbol. It's a pagan symbol. Jesus Christ was crucified on a pole. I think the Greek word is staros, S-T-A-U-R-O-S. It's a pole, not a cross. So anyway, um, uh, Jesus was crucified. He did shed blood. And so looking forward to his death on the cross, the cross, the pole, um, 
they were supposed to bring a lamb and the lamb had to be slaughtered because it had to be shedding of blood. Well, what did Cain do? Cain ignored what God wanted and brought some vegetables and fruits that he had grown. Well, you have to realize what this is. This is the work of his own hands. He rejected what God wanted, and he decided he could do it his way, and that would be good enough. But it wasn't. God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's. So Cain got angry with Abel, and he was so jealous of him that he murdered him. Can you imagine what that was? For in the second generation, after Adam and Eve, who were created perfect, for one of their sons to murder the other, they had to understand completely what they had done and what their sin had brought into the world. So um, Cain killed Abel. Now, the other thing is very important because uh, God then talked to Cain and he said, um, where is your brother? And, and Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And God said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Well, obviously, the blood was not crying out from the ground. This is symbolic language. But I want to point out that in Revelation 6, 9 and 10, when it's talking about the seven seals, again, the seals are not animals. It's the seal on a scroll that God opens in Revelation. And we are right at the period of time of the seven seals right now, right now in Earth's history. We're nearing the end close to when Jesus is coming. In Revelation 6, 9, and 10, it says that there are souls under the altar in heaven crying out they are they were martyred and and says and they are they're asking for when will this all end and when will our uh death be avenged and so because of that then many christian denominations say oh see when we die we go to heaven and that's the souls under the altar well it's the same sort of symbolic language that when god says that that um Abel's blood is calling out from the ground. It's symbolic language. It is not uh, actual language that we can, we have to answer and say, well, yes, the souls under the altar are real. So um, God banished uh, Cain to the land of Nod, but he, Cain said in, in, in verse 13, it says, and Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. That word is not punishment. That word is depravity. They, they love to write the word punishment in. Almost all the time the word punish is used, it's actually the word visit. God visits us with good things when we do good things, and he visits us with bad things when we do bad things. We reap what we sow. If we're behaving properly, we'll reap good things. If we're not, we'll reap bad things. So the word is almost always visit, not punish again it's discipline that god gives us what goes around comes around we reap what we have sown so uh god banishes him and and um cain says oh you know people are going to kill me because i've done such a terrible thing and god says no i will protect you and so even though cain had done such a horrible thing he was still god's child and again to suggest that cain was the actual physical son of Satan, turns every biblical truth upside down, or many of them upside down. And God God did not uh, abandon Cain. He was cursed because he, he uh, sinned in such a grievous way, but he wasn't cursed eternally. God can turn anybody around. When Saul of Tarsus was on the road to Damascus, he was uh, not looking to be saved. He was a Pharisee. He hated Jesus Christ and his followers. He was going to Damascus to arrest and persecute and kill Christians. 
And Jesus, who had already ascended to heaven, came down and, and interrupted his journey on the road. And there was this bright, bright light that that blinded Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and God converted him. How long did it take? It took about 30 seconds. It took about 30 seconds to turn Saul of Tarsus around. And then God took him out into the desert, taught him directly for about three years. And and Paul, who became the Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. So God can turn anybody around. There is no one beyond the reach of, of Jesus Christ. So then it says that Cain knew his wife. Um, and she conceived a child. And then it gives you the lineages. That's how we know how old the earth is since the creation of humanity. Because um, the, the, um, all the descendants of Adam and Eve, all the way down, we know how long they lived. And you can figure it out that the earth is now, uh, uh, since humanity was created, Earth is about 6,000 years old, and that's when Jesus told us he'll be coming back because we've talked about the seven-day week, and there were a day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years, and there were six days of creation. There's 6,000 years for man. Jesus will come back, and then there will be the millennium for the seventh 1,000 years when everything will be abolished. Jesus is not coming back to earth to reign in Jerusalem. It's That's not what the millennium is. Eventually, the new earth will be recreated by God, and that's where we'll spend eternity. Heaven is a temporary place. It's the place where the righteous will go. Heaven is there now. It's probably in Orion because that is where the new stars come out of Orion. And uh, there, the, the Bible says when Jesus comes, every eye will see him. And there are apparently only two places in the heavens where everybody on earth can see at once, and one of them is Orion. So heaven may be uh, in Orion now. But uh, heaven is a temporary place. That means when the righteous go to heaven, when Jesus comes, they will be in heaven for that thousand years during the millennium. They're not, they're not going to be ruling on the earth. The earth will be destroyed. As I said, the Bible says even the elements will melt with fervent heat. Everything will be done. There will be nothing but dead people on the earth. Satan will be confined to this earth with his evil angels for that 1,000 years. Then comes the judgment, the great white throne judgment, and that's when the unsaved will be resurrected. That is the second resurrection. The unsaved will be resurrected to begin reaping what they've sown before we all enter into eternity. So, that's how we know how old the earth is, because the Bible gives us all of these descendants and how long they lived. And by the way, some descendants of Cain were Tubal-Cain, T-U-B-A-L-C-A-I-N. And that is Tubal-Cain, who is a descendant of Cain, who was a murderer. And Tubal-Cain is one of the heroes of Freemasonry. Very interesting. Nimrod, who built the Tower of Babel by turning his back on God, because God said, I'll never uh, destroy the earth with a flood again. But Nimrod built the Tower of Babel to make sure that they could would not be destroyed in the flood. And then God came down and confounded their language and they could not continue working. But Nimrod is also a great hero in Freemasonry. And Freemasonry uh, does not worship the God of the Bible. They worship Satan, but they don't find out about it until they become a 33rd degree Mason. And I know that for a fact, because my maternal grandfather was a Freemason and became a 33rd degree Freemason. That's when they found out that the God they worship is actually Satan. And when he became a Christian, he said, you cannot become a Christian and be a Freemason. I know that's going to upset a lot of people, but that's how it is. So, um, then, so Cain was banished, Abel was dead. So, Adam again in verse 25 said, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and his name was Seth. For God said, uh, for God, she said, Eve said, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. 
And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. And then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So again, there was a lot of evil on the earth when uh, Cain killed Abel. And then Seth was born, and then his descendants, people started uh, calling on the name of the Lord. And so Noah was a descendant of Seth. None of Cain's descendants made it through the flood. They were all destroyed in the flood. So again, uh, this this whole serpent seed thing could not uh, be true. Now, if we go on to uh, Genesis 5, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him, male and female created he them. There we got it again. So God created one person, individual first, and then he separated them, not by taking, um, not by taking Adam's rib, as we've learned. Uh, anybody who wasn't here for the first Bible study, go back and watch it on my website, and you will see that God did not use a rib And he used the uh, female reproductive organs, which were in Adam, and created Eve. And so, uh, Seth was, again, the um, ancestor of Noah. And then it talks about uh, Seth, and all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And it tells us all of these people lived to be over 900 years old. And uh, one of the descendants of Seth was uh, Methuselah. Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived. He lived to be 969 years old. And uh, this is just a little trivia. Uh, Methuselah's name means when he dies, it will be sent. Methuselah means when he dies, it will be sent. And Methuselah died the year the flood came. And Methuselah's son was named Lamech. Now, Cain had a descendant named Lamech, too, but it was a different Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H. And Lamech was the father of Noah. And Noah was about 500 years old when he had his three sons. um, uh, And... And um, he was 600 years old when the flood came. And again, that's very significant. Now, we're not into numerology in the Bible as far as um, there's a Jewish version of it. They can sort of make the Bible say anything they want with kind of mystical numerology. But God's number is seven. He says it over and over again. And the number of humanity is six. The mark of the beast is six Six, six, because it's man without God. We need another one to add to the six to get seven, and that is God. And that's how we become like God when God puts his character and disposition in us. And so, six, six, six is the number of humanity. It's not the number of a man. The mark of the beast is believing in man and not God. That is the mark of the beast. It's not a barcode. It's not the COVID vaccine. It's not any of those things. But when you believe in man and not God, that's when you go to doctors for disease. Because God says, if you obey my laws, my natural health laws, my commandments and my decrees, I'll keep you free from every disease. That's in Deuteronomy 7, 11 to 15. That is the cure for all disease, obeying God's laws, commandments, and decrees. That's how I got well from fourth stage terminal cancer. God promises to get us well if we do it his way, his way, and only his way. The first commandment that we have to keep is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. When we go to a doctor for disease, I'm not talking about trauma. I'm not talking about a broken leg or getting run over by a truck. When we go to doctors for disease, we have taken the mark of the beast because we believe in man and not God. We believe in man. Now, the mark of the beast is reversible. If you truly search for God with all your heart and believe in God and you show it by your actions, 
People say, oh, I believe in God, and then they trot off to the doctor. Well, that proves that they don't really believe in God. It's easy to say you do. So Methuselah died the year the flood came, and Noah was um, uh, 500 years old when he had his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So everybody on earth now is a descendant of Shem or Ham or Japheth. There are no descendants on the earth from Cain. They were all destroyed in the flood. So now we go on to uh, chapter 6. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took their them wives, all of which they chose. So it says the sons of God took as their wives the daughter of men. So again, this serpent seed thing says, oh, well, the sons of God, that includes Satan. And so, or the sons of God married the daughters of men, excuse me, who were the offspring of Cain. And so they were bad. And this is the serpent seed again. Well, the sons of God doesn't always mean literal sons of God. If you look in uh, Galatians, Galatians 3.16 and 29, it says that Abraham's seed was Christ. Abraham's seed was Christ. And so Abraham was the father of Christians, not the father of Jews. Abraham was the father of Christians. Abraham's offspring, his seed, his literal seed was Christ. And it says in verse 29, Galatians 3.29, And if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promises. So again, you don't, you don't have to be Abraham's actual offspring to be his seed. Once you are a true follower of Christ, and I'm not talking about a churchian, I'm talking about a true Christian. I'm not just talking about people who just go to church. I'm talking about people who are truly seeking for the Lord with all their heart. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heir to the promise. So in um, Genesis 3.15, which I told you was the beginning of Christianity in the Garden of Eden, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God promised them a savior. And here's what Genesis 3.15 says. God is talking to Satan, the serpent, and he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Eve and between your seed and her seed. So then they say, Oh, well, it's got to be the actual offspring of Satan. No, it's those who follow him. It doesn't have to be the actual offspring because we are not the actual offspring necessarily of Abraham. But if we are Christ, if we're followers of Christ, then we are the heirs to Abraham's promises. We are the seed of Abraham. So he said, I will put in between between you and the woman, between your seed, the followers of Satan and her seed, which was Seth and eventually Christ and the true followers of Christ. And it, which is the seed of Eve uh, or Satan's seed, will bruise Christ's heel and Christ will bruise Satan's head. Okay. Now, Satan bruised Christ's heel by orchestrating his death on the cross. But Christ bruised Satan's head, which eventually he'll do away with sin completely by rising from the dead and saving the world. So again, when it says here, the sons of God uh, married the daughters of men, this is not talking about the serpent seed and and righteous people. What it's talking about are the followers of Satan and the followers of Christ. Now, God calls us the sons of God. So these people don't have to be actual sons of God. God calls us his sons. He created us, all of us. So then it goes on to say uh, that God says his spirit or breath will not always strive with man. Then there were giants in the earth in those days. Again, this is all the whole serpent seed is this 
Nephilim or Nephilim. Nephilim. So they say, oh, that's the serpent seed doctrine. Uh, these were these were Satan's actual offspring. These were the giants in the land. No, there were giants. Uh, we're the products of 6,000 years of sin. There is a lot of evidence that before the flood, people were much bigger than we are now. And again, as I said, there is evidence that the oxygen content was much higher before the flood than it was after the flood. So these were giants in the land. There were giants. And there was Goliath. We know Goliath was a giant. That doesn't mean they were direct offspring from Satan. Again, Satan is an angel. Angels, spirit beings cannot reproduce. God created them all individually. There is no evidence that they have families. If they had families, God would never have had to create human beings on the earth for him to come as a human being. Because you see, um, it's got to be the shedding of blood. He had to come as a human being so we could see what a life of love looks like. If God came in the form of God, which is invisible, we couldn't see anything he did. So the sons of God does not mean, or the daughters of men does not mean that they are offspring, direct physical offspring of Satan. So there were giants in the earth in those days. And then it says, um, uh, the same became mighty men, and they might want to make that. Oh, this is Nephilim. These are these mighty men, and they're the offspring of Satan, and they're evil, and they can never be saved. Well, that mighty men just means masterful, men of renown. They were leaders in the area at that time. So then we have, after that, comes the generations of Noah. So again, God has given us this lineage so we can tell how long mankind has been on the earth. And um, then it talks about how men became desperately evil. And so that's when um, uh, God said he was going to destroy everyone on the earth. You say, well, why would God do that? God's a killer God. Again, death is temporary with the Lord. So God tells us we should not kill because we can't bring anybody back. But God will bring everybody back eventually. So he wanted to show us, and again, the flood occurred about 1,500 years after creation. So when men lived to be 900 years old, they could get desperately evil. And so God destroyed the earth except for... (laughs) We'll be back right after the top of the hour. Thanks, Sam. Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth. 